0: This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com.
1: Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant.
2: We've
0: got some haters out here. Like Jared Kelnick has haters. Like that's an actual reality. That's an actual thing. Uh, I don't get the Kelnick mania. he's a two tool player sealing more like Jake Bowers than Mitch Haniger. whoa, are you nuts are you nuts I, and this isn't the first time like I've had other people. Maybe that's the sign that he's gonna be great. There's Kelnick haters out here it's I think the demeanor at the
2: plate. it's the temperature dude, tantrums. I
0: love that. I want that guy I don't mind it. i oh, give me that guy. You're telling me that Bryce Harper, you don't want Bryce Harper on your team? That's exa-
2: There's if, if he rakes, he can act however he wants. He's 21, 22 years old right now. I, I think um, there's plenty of time for him to improve, and I feel like there are some who believe he is a finished product because he is not in the majors and Mike Trout, which... It's, it's nuts. He's yeah. going to be great.
0: All, all all the haters, I'm gonna keep a I'm I'm gonna keep a list of all of you, and there'll be an accounting that comes in, in, in the future.
2: I think he'll be good. I'm not gonna go so far as to say great right now,
0: though. He's gonna be great. It's Danny and Gallant. It's Wednesday, which means we got Michael Bumpus coming in for blue
3: forty-two. Here we go. This is blue forty-two. We're gonna go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G, U corner, halfback, flat, on to, ready, right.
2: Now here's your host. Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Boo
3: 42! Boo 42!
2: Bump! What's up?
4: Gallant, what's cracking? Danny, how we doing?
2: Bump! I'm doing well. It's a bump day. It's a hump day. Let's talk about a position that we think the Seahawks are going to get more production out of this year, but maybe not right away. Pete Carroll mentioned that D Estridge didn 't play a whole lot of slot wide receiver in college, but he 's adjusting well. Here is Pete talking about D
1: yesterday he's doing good he 's doing good um, he's fitting right in he 's really natural and things just come easy to him he looks when he does stuff it looks the way it's supposed to look you know the way, whether it's catching the ball or getting out of a break or even blocking and using his hands and stuff he 's a very strong kid uh, for a size and, and it, it shows. Um, He's got good power to him, you know, and, and uh, we, which we thought we just—he played so much split out and not in the slot and not active in all those kinds of things. We just couldn't evaluate those, and we had to kind of kind of guess a little bit. And uh, so far, he's, he's he's doing fine. We'd love to see him play this weekend.
2: He's also played running back in high school. How hard is it to move from outside to slot wide receiver?
4: It's an adjustment when you're outside. You're pretty much one-on-one with the corner if you're in the zone. Say they're in the cover two, they're sitting at five, you work by him now, you're working on safeties. When you're in the slide, you're in the phone booth right now. You're in a three-by-one set, you're going to have a linebacker or safety over you. You're going to be asked to go across the middle, sit in zones. So it's definitely a transition you've seen guys like Larry Fitzgerald do it he's a great I know it's hard to compare guys to Larry but Larry did a great job of being an outside guy he slowed down in in his career and he got inside you just have to know what the triangle is doing at all time and the triangle is the outside backer or the furthest outside defender if that's the safety that rolls down the corner, and the safety. You have to look at that rotation and kind of feel what they're doing and see if they're in zone, if they're a man, if they're blitzing, um, if they're if they're running stunts on that line. There are some things that you have to take care of, and now you are the outlet right now. If there's a blitz off the edge and Russ has to get rid of the football, boom, you're the guy he has to go to. So you have to be constantly diagnosing the play. Slot receivers by your second or third step, confirmation, I know exactly what's going on. On the outside, man, you can look at that pre-snap shell and be like, all right, they're probably in a cover three or a cover four. This is how I'm going to run my route. And the slide is a little different. You're always collecting data. Can guys do it? Yeah, they can do it, but they have to be a real student of the game, and they have to be okay with getting hit. I was at a high school practice the other day, and a receiver went across the middle, and uh, he dropped the ball because he thought he was going to get hit, and he still got hit. You hear, you hear the saying, you're going to get hit anyway. You might as well catch the football." So when you're going across the middle, you got to be tough. I remember there was a play against the Chicago Bears. It was my, my first or second preseason game, and I'm going across the middle, and my head is not on the swivel. And this is when Erlacher is still holding on to his career, so he's still in the game. Oh, and uh, Charlie Fry, bless his soul, set me down in the zone something. So I had to stop. He threw it behind me, and I got up, and Erlacher's looking at me all crazy and stuff. I, I go back to Charlie Fry I go, thank you, sir, because if I if, if I didn't, if didn't you didn't sit me down in that zone, I'm going to get blasted. So there's this less room to work with. And more responsibility when it comes to the pass game Because most of the times You are the hot But I think D can do it He has the body type for it That's why I see the smallest your guys in there And if Pete says he's adjusting well In key words It looks like it's supposed to look He doesn't look lost out there He doesn't look confused I think he's moving in the right direction
0: Is that the position that's changed the most In NFL offenses over the past decade Is slot Yeah, in my day They wasn't looking for slot receivers
4: They're like, all right, man. We'll put him in the slot. I guess. I mean, we got to put somebody there. Now they're actually looking for slot receivers because the game has changed. You're going to spread guys out. You need the shifty guy, the guy you can get the ball to quickly. I mean, I I love it, man. It gives it gives a smaller receiver a legit chance. Like you don't have to be a four three guy if you are. 5-10 5-10 to make this league. You can run a 4-5, four, four, nah, I wouldn't say 4-6, but 4-5 <laughs> and and have a spot in this league because you can do things that the big guys can't. Now, we've seen big guys go on the slot. We've seen DK go on the slot. Guys can do that. But I guarantee you DK doesn't want to spend 80% of his snaps in the slot. He wants to get outside and open that thing up.
2: I'm surprised more running backs don't try to make a jump from – running back over to slot wide receiver or something like that. And I wouldn't say necessarily at the NFL level because that's probably a pretty big adjustment. But it does feel like they have a lot of the traits that you would want out of a slot receiver and maybe even have a little extra bulk that would perhaps get him a couple of extra yards after the catch.
4: I mean, we see Kamara doing it a bit, right? He's everywhere. I think if LaShawn McCoy was born 10 years later and he was in this off, um, this type of offense these days, he would have done well. That's a good point. But then you look at Urban Meyer. What do you do with Etienne? He tried to move him to receiver. And you see how that works out for him. I mean, yeah, I think running backs can do it, but um, it's a it's a craft, man. You you can't just throw anybody in the slot. They have to really understand what's going on.
0: Question two. We got a little addition that was made to the Seahawks secondary. John Schneider, and when John Schneider makes a trade for a cornerback, my ears perk up. It's not like he always hits. But he, he has clobbered some home runs. He's also hit some solid singles in this position. And very rarely does he go out and seek a corner who can't turn out to play a lick. And this time it is John Reed. He's acquired. He's a second-year corner from Houston. It's a conditional seventh-round pick, which is about as little compensation as you can offer in a trade. And before I ask you about how he
1: fits in, let's listen to what Pete Carroll had to say about the addition of John Reed. real steady. Um, has played nickel. Uh, shows versatility. played inside and outside. Got really good speed, been an active player. Um, we, 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 you know, we're continuing to seek depth, and, and uh, he had played for Tracy in, in Houston, and so he has some background on him, and, and we knew kind of what we were getting, so it helps out. How does he fit into this
0: secondary, the cornerback battle? The guy's quick. You know, he only started one game for the
4: Texans, uh, Galan's favorite franchise in, in all the sports. Um, only started one game, but like Pete said, man, he's quick. He's fast. He has good instincts. I had to look him up last night. I'm like, all right, let me look at film on this kid and see what he brings to the table. I think he brings more competition to the situation, but I don't see anything changing. You know, I I still see DJ Reed, um, Witherspoon, Trey Flowers, Trey Brown. I see I still see those guys as the front runners, but I see this guy as maybe a guy who, who can contribute on special teams if he makes it. Now he's got one game. That's the messed up part, right? He's got one game to really try to prove himself. So he's not in a favorable situation. He's gonna have to do something great. So it doesn't change the situation that much, but it shows you that the Seahawks are always looking to improve. Even when you think you have four to six guys at the corner spot that you're just going to roll with, they're good to go, they bring in a guy and say, all right, you know what, Trey Brown is banged up, let's bring a guy in and see what he does. You know, let's let's, let's shake things up a little bit. I like the kid. I don't think it does anything to that room, though, and I think it's going to be hard for him to make this team because he's only here for week three. This, I feel like this is just a we-need-a-body-in-camp type move. I wish him the best because I always want athletes to do well, but I think it's going to be tough for him to make the squad.
2: I wonder if they look at it from the perspective of, okay, he was a fourth-round pick at corner. They're moving on from him after one year. Maybe we bring him in, and as you said, since he's got that sort of uphill battle that he's got to have, oh, he's hurt. Oh, okay, well, we're going to put him on the PUP. We're going to put him on injured reserve or something like that. This might be one of those moves where, you know, if you trade something for him, I, I would imagine that you're going to give him a little bit more the way to actually make the roster because you're right. That, that's going to be really difficult for him. Uh, what I was looking at this guys I I thought to myself okay I don't think John Reed's going to be a contributor but I I think if they're making a trade at cornerback for a guy who is likely going to go on waivers and any team could have picked that means that they're probably not that enthusiastic about their cornerback group Uh, again I don't know what Reed's doing to compete with these guys but I, I, I don't think that we have seen to this point in the preseason and in training camp Anything that makes us say, oh yeah, this is great, other than DJ Reed just being back out at practice yesterday.
4: You're right. There I don't think they are excited about the room right now based off of what they've done in during competition during the preseason. I also think they, they understand it's hard to, to evaluate these guys. There are a couple of dudes on this roster or at that cornerback spot that they still have questions about though. You know, I think they're still looking at Trey Flowers, you know, to, to try to see what he's gonna do. But the thing about Trey Flowers is he's been there. He's made some plays. They know what they're going to get out of him. It's not like it's a mystery. We're not going to see Trey Flowers just become a, a Pro Bowl corner right now. He's still in, in a development. Now, I know you Texas, you callers are going to say, get rid of Trey Flowers, this and that. All right, but Trey Flowers does some good things. But a guy like John Reed is here to directly compete with Trey Flowers. So now you talk about the situation that's coming up. The Stars are going to be in in the game for the, the third preseason game against the Chargers for what? series or two and then we'll get these guys in and see. This is going to be a battle. This is a, a matchup that I want everyone to look after. Let's see what Trey Flowers does. Let's see what John Reed looks like and then we'll, we'll talk about it on, on Monday.
2: Question number three. J.J. Watt, new Arizona Cardinal, had a hardo quote talking about <laughs> practicing with the Cardinals. When the juices get flowing, how does it feel? someone asked me how it felt you're like a dog chasing a tennis ball wherever it bounces you want to get it you're excited to be out there and it doesn't matter if you're supposed to be where it bounces that's what it felt like so he's clearly excited to get out there (laughs) he's like a dog chasing a tennis ball (laughs) interesting comparison better than singing fort minor and flipping tires who do you think is going to be No, the- Fort,
0: Myer, Fort Minor and flipping Tires is at least inspirational. That was just confusing. Like, he'll go run after anything you you chase. You send him to chase after? That's weird. I mean, play-action fake, he bites hard
2: on that, perhaps? I don't know. Uh, is, Chandler, is Chandler Jones practicing yet? Did anybody ask him that? <laughs> That's a good question. Should you be yeah. more than Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt? Yeah, do you think your contract made him mad? Is that a net loss if they get J.J. but lose Chandler? <laughs> the question I wanted to get to eventually— I mean, Watt's a big part, a newcomer in the NFC West. Probably the biggest headline name to be added to the NFC West outside of Matt Stafford. What Seahawk is going to have that kind of impact? That's a new Seahawk. We have Gerald Everett, we're going to talk to at 8.30. We've got Kerry Hyder. There's Gabe Jackson. Perhaps there's somebody else. Bump, who do you think is going to be the Seahawks' most impactful addition a la a J.J. Watt might be for Arizona?
4: Gerald Everett all day. It's Gerald Everett. I mean, he makes that tight end room that much better. Last year, you had a rotation of tight ends, man. We've seen Hollister. We've seen Disley's been banged up. Um, He brings something to the table that none of those other tight ends bring to the table. Those are good guys. They're traditional tight ends. Even Luke Wilson's back. Luke Wilson, man, good for him. That dude, he doesn't go away, and I'm happy for him, man, extend that career, but Gerald Everett, man, you can line him up outside. He's a true receiver. He can run routes. I'm going to ask him. I'm like, look, man, you had to have started your career as a receiver just by the way that you're running these routes. Um, he's explosive off the line of scrimmage. He, with the ball in his hands, he's ready to go. It's got to be Gerald Everett, and I think that we've seen what Russell can do with good tight ends. We've seen the connection with with Will Disse. We've seen the connection with Jimmy Graham. Um, and in this Waldron offense, you're going to be asked to go across the middle. We were talking about slot receivers going across the middle, sitting in zones. These tight ends are going to have to do the same thing, and he's just a matchup problem. You bring a safety down on him, you're too small. You bring a linebacker on him, you're too big with no wiggle. You can line him up outside, and he can go one-on-one with cornerbacks. Just because he can line up everywhere on the field and be successful, I think he's the guy, man. I'm excited to see what he does. I hope we see him for at least a series or two in this third preseason game and, uh, and back up all the hype, man, because I think that he's going to be one of the best
0: tight ends to come through here. I love the opportunity to see him fit in. It seems like this offense is built for that kind of receiving tight end, and he's one of these guys that doesn't come in here like Jimmy Graham as a blocking specialist, but he's playing for a coach that knows exactly what he he does and is capable of doing. I think that this yep. is ideally set up for him. You've got a heavy lifting guy in Will Disley who's, who's going to be able to partner with him. I, I, I really... We've waited forever to see this team have two tight ends that work together. I think they might have it this year.
4: And that's a good point, Danny. He's probably out there coaching guys up as well. This is what Shane means when he says this. Or this is what we're trying to do when we run this, this combination in this situation. I'm, I'm sure he's not out there leading the charge. This is Russell Wilson's team. But... He's a reference. Guys should be talking to this guy and trying to understand what's trying to be accomplished out there when you run in certain formations and, and concepts in certain situations. So I think along with his physical capabilities, he brings a knowledge of this offense that, that guys can kind of go to when they have questions and they don't feel like hunting down the offensive coordinator or or Russell Wilson um, for some answers.
0: Michael Bumpus here with us for Blue 42. Somebody acknowledging on the text line, Bump, that uh, they, they're grateful that Charlie Fry I did not throw you that hospital ball.
4: <laughs> Charlie Fry, thank you,
0: Charlie. Thank, grateful that they kept you kept kept you out of harm's way. Our training camp coverage is brought to you by Precor Home Fitness. Uh, we also wanted to let you know that uh, for coming up, the Mariners have a South of France night ticket special tickets, just twenty dollars, and include a Viva tie France T-shirt and baguette. You, you can find tickets there. They're available at mariners.com slash France, which thai. is pretty awesome. Oh. I didn't know, realize they're going to be handing out baguettes. Of course you should get a baguette. Je voudrais de bouquet. Je voudrais un brioche. Oui.
2: That was real. Yes.
0: That's Go get true. your baguette <laughs> and your T-shirt. Uh, you can get those tickets again, mariners.com. This was a question posed by Kevin Clark at the Ringer yesterday, and I found it to be fascinating. Who is the best quarterback you would trade straight up for Aaron Donald?
3: Mm.
0: Aaron Donald, I think I think I'd list him as the most impactful. Like he's the best non quarterback in the league. Like if you ask me, like, who's the best football player that's not a quarterback? I, I think it's Aaron Donald. Quarterbacks are different, man. Like it it changes the whole, the whole complexion of your entire team. So who's the best quarterback? You would trade straight up for him.
2: I've got my answer. Paul, do you have a? a I do. Ha, have a thought. I do. Baker Mayfield. No, Baker Mayfield is oh, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, it, you know, if I were to be devious, I would say Deshaun Watson right now because I don't know what's going to happen with him going forward. Watson's off the board. You can't yeah. trade him because there's that's
0: not a football decision right now, right? Like there's so many other things that that go in with that. Why I Baker? go with? Oh, go, A- no, go
4: ahead, Paul. Yeah, let, let me hear the Baker well, explanation.
2: Well, I mean, I think Baker's above average to good, but I also feel like I've gotten as much as I'm going to get out of Baker Mayfield, and I don't think that it's going to be completely impossible to replicate that. Now, that might sound psychotic coming from somebody who's a Browns fan, given that there's that one dude that had, like, what, like a jersey that had 17 or 20 different last names on the back of it? So maybe that's not the best idea in the world if you're Cleveland. But just looking at it neutrally and without the franchise history, I think he's one of those guys where you're like, I don't know that I want to give him the long-term extension. I've seen what's happened with Ryan Tannehill. I've seen what's happened with Jared Goff. I think he's good. But I think this year he still has a lot to prove. And I don't definitively know that he's going to be able to lead Cleveland, which I would say is probably the third best team in the AFC, past Buffalo and past Kansas City.
4: Bump, who's your guy? you got to go like second-tier quarterback. You're not going to give up an elite quarterback. Right. And right now I would go with Carson Wentz. I'd give up Carson Wentz for Aaron Donald. I think – Aaron Donald has to answer a lot of the questions that Paul just mentioned with Baker Mayfield. You know, is he? we've seen good years in Carson Wentz, but we've seen a few years of just we don't know yet. We know there's arm talent. There's leadership questions over there. We don't know how he is in the locker room. But he's good enough to win some ball games for you. I don't think people, you sign Carson Wentz and say, oh, my God, we're going to go 2-15. and 15. I don't think you think that. You think you have a chance to win, but you're also asking the questions like, all right. Is he going to understand the offense? Is he going to take care of the football? Is he going to be healthy? But there is talent there, so I would say, Mister Carson Wentz.
2: Are both of those guys alone going to get it done? A trade for Aaron Donald? I, well, that's where it becomes. Would
0: no probably because not, the Rams, right? yeah. the the, Ram, the Rams aren't going to trade Donald for for they would. You wouldn't really trade Donald, right? You would right. trade other stuff to get the quarterback exactly. to, pay, yeah, that, to, to pair okay. with Donald. Okay. But just in terms – I'm saying a straight-up trade. Yes, like it, if you you were given a choice, you're starting a franchise, and you're given a choice, you can have Aaron Donald or Baker Mayfield. I, I think in that situation I'm taking Donald because I think that I'm not so sold on on Baker. Like I think Baker's good enough that you can't just say we'll find someone else like there's still the possibility that he is going to be a great quarterback that he could have a career like Matt Ryan's or something like that. I I don't know how much I believe that Baker's going to end up being at w- any point winning an MVP or or winning a championship. But he's a good enough quarterback that you can't you can't just be cavalier about. Like Kirk Cousins, I'm taking Donald ahead of Cousins every day. Like yeah. all day long. Like I I don't but that might be how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I Alex Smith, even Alex Smith's prime, I think I'd take Aaron Donald over Alex Smith.
2: How about Lamar Jackson?
0: Heck. People no. are hating on Lamar. I'm taking Heck. Lamar. No.
2: I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm throwing his name out there because let, let's try to move up the list a little bit further yeah. and see if we can I, No, no, ourselves. I'm not giving up. Lamar, Lamar won the MVP either. two years ago. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I think the way that he played in that playoff game against Tennessee, too, I think showed that he can win. They need to make the right move at offensive coordinator. Greg Roman, I brought this up a couple of times. With with Kaepernick, it didn't work out long term, and it's, I don't know if it's going to work out long term with, with, with him and Jackson together. Um, Kyler Murray, you're not. How about the guys who we've seen one year of? So that would be Justin Herbert. That would be Joe Burrow. And I don't think there's another. Here's the thing.
4: Aaron Donald will win you a game or two. Yeah. He's not going to win you a championship. Your quarterback can, an average or slightly above average quarterback, can win you a championship with people around him. Yep. You know, I always look at Trent Dilfer. I'm like, how the hell did Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl. He had pieces around him. He had a good defense, but Aaron, it's hard to put that responsibility on a defensive lineman. So that's why it's hard. That's why you can't, that's why you can't go Lamar. I think Lamar can win you, can win a bunch of games in a championship. You know, he has the ball in his hands. It's all about the ball. Aaron Donald's getting the ball. You need a guy who controls the game, who has the ball in his hands to win you a ball game. I think that's why this question is so hard and intriguing because it's like, all right, what are you willing to give up? Mm -hmm. You know, I think Baker Mayfield, is more important to his team than Aaron Donald is. Aaron Donald is a better player, but yeah. if Baker Mayfield doesn't play well, they don't win. Aaron Donald can disappear for three or four games, and the Rams can still get it done.
0: Yeah, I, I think what you said there is just perfect. Like, Aaron Donald's a dominant enough player that he'll win you a game or two, and he'll, be, he'll give you a, a strategic advantage in every game he plays. But he doesn't have the ball in his hand. He doesn't, he doesn't, and the impact that a quarterback has. I think with Baker, my calculation would be, I'm not so sold on Baker that i that i don't think that i can find another quarterback that's as good and maybe even has a chance to be better than him that's and I'm i think at. that's why i'm willing to say okay i'll keep looking for the quarterback but give me Don, D- donald i'd take i i'd take uh aaron donald ahead of kyler murray maybe maybe but i'm I, i'm still i'm still, murray, I'm still waiting there. right i i think yeah, gotta draw the line there but baker but baker
2: but baker I, i'd take donald ahead of baker one last wrench the guys who were taken in this year's draft Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Let's just go through all of them five really quickly. Mm. Mm. Well there's two there's two that I would not hesitate to take
0: Donald ahead of. Zach Wilson, <laughs> Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. Give me Aaron Donald all day ahead of those two dudes. Yeah. The other th- the other three, the other three I I seriously like. But Man, out of those three, I'm probably saying Fields and Lawrence I'd take ahead of Donald, and I'd probably take Donald ahead of Lance.
4: I'm taking Fields all day. I'm taking Fields. And then the thing these young guys have on them is potential, right? We're all like – we're all imagining what they can be. We know exactly who Aaron Donald is, dominant, you know what I'm saying? But like we just said, we know that you need quarterbacks to win Super Bowls.
2: I would – with Wilson no hesitation I probably will with Mac Jones I could be talked into it with Trevor Lawrence I've never been the biggest Trevor Lawrence guy in college this is not me saying that I think he's going to be a bust I just remember like I'm being told that he's awesome and I'm like I like a lot of what he does but I don't know that he's like this destroyer of worlds sure thing prospect that he has been made out to be perhaps I am wrong it's Danny and Gallant. we've got Gerald
0: Everett he's going to join us from training camp that's coming up next You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
2: Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant.
0: Tua Tonga Vailoa or Aaron Donald? Uh, Aaron Donald. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Donald.
2: I'm a flip flopper, man. I feel guilty about punting on Tua already. But, he might be good, but you haven't seen it yet, right?
0: I was so. Like you when you're bringing though. in Fitzpatrick to play the closer, like that's not a great sign for a young quarterback. I wouldn't, like, Dude, I wouldn't we call it punting.
4: To... It's like yeah. it's like third down and you're yelling to the punt team to get ready, you know? Punt get ready. Like you're not I'm not, not punting on them yet.
2: I, I feel like I am though. I, I mean, I thought he was the real deal. I, I and and I thought yeah. there were a lot of Russell Wilson similarities too. Okay. And, Man, it just it, it doesn't feel like it's happening, and I don't know that that hip injury is what concerns me the most. See, if it was just the hip injury, I'm like, okay, he looks healthy. He doesn't throw the ball down the field. Like he
0: doesn't he doesn't throw. The, and do quarterbacks learn to do that? Like I, I don't I don't know. I, I feel like in that case, it might be a, that you can tell a guy whoa, but it's hard to tell him to giddy up. Like you can you can you can rein somebody in, like Brett Favre – but it's hard to tell someone like if they're reluctant to take a shot and, and throw it down the field. I don't know if you're ever going to get that out of them.
4: Yeah, you gotta you gotta believe in what you're seeing and what you're doing. And there's something that he's just he's not willing to roll the dice. Whereas against Georgia, was it Georgia National Championship yeah. where he looked off the safety oh. and came back to the go it was beautiful. That's what we were expecting to see. But that lets you know right there, just the game is fast. Those safeties are faster. Things are moving a ab- quicker. So. I appreciate him taking care of the football or trying to take care of the football, but at some point, you got to drive that thing down the field.
0: We'll see. This is just going to be his second year that's there. Uh, It is Danny Gallant, Michael Bumpus is in with us this hour. We're waiting on Gerald Everett, who we're going to talk to from Seahawks Training Camp. Uh, Our coverage from Training Camp brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. I feel like this is the third time that the Seattle Seahawks under Pete Carroll have assembled an offense where we're talking about two tight ends, and it's never quite worked out before. Like It's never Mm. quite got there before, and it's not their fault. Zach Miller was going to be paired with John Carlson in 2011. They signed Zach Miller from the Raiders. Carlson got hurt and tore up his shoulder. He ended up leaving in free agency after that. It never really panned out. Then it was going to be Zach Miller and Kellen Winslow. In 2012, they were going to be paired together, but no, Kellen Winslow didn't take the pay cut that he'd agreed to, so he gets released the week before the regular season started, and a shock to everybody. And now it's it's Everett and it's Will Disley, and I, I feel like we're actually going to get the payoff. I'm excited to see how this offense is going to work with two tight ends.
2: Why is this time going to be different?
0: It's Well, A, you don't have an uncertainty about whether or not a guy's going to take a pay cut or not, and both these guys look healthy, right? Like, both of them look healthy.
2: Yes. <laughs> but I feel like history, it's, it's working against them – Shane Waldron's background as a tight end coach definitely intrigues me. The fact that they were able to get as much as they did out of Tyler Higby in L.A. also is interesting. Yeah, he's coming from an offense where Higby and Everett paired well together. But Higby was the favorite. And that that is that is one element of this where I'm like, okay, uh, there is an idea that, and I think Lindsay Theory said this on ESPN, that perhaps he, he needed a fresh start. Somewhere and okay, maybe, maybe this is perfect for him. But if it hasn't happened before, and it, you know, last year I talked myself into it, that's for sure. With Greg Olson back, I thought, okay, last year, you know, the foot injury didn't seem like it had been a big issue. Well, didn't really work out there either. At some point, is it? Maybe Russell Wilson isn't someone who, who's who's looking at tight ends that much. What, what do you think,
4: Bob? Nah, heck no. When Will Dissy was healthy, Russell was looking for him and dropping dimes on him. I think Russ is going to emphasize the tight end this year because he realizes what he has. I think Russ is a smart dude. He knows that, okay, what's the evolution of this offense? I've I've had 2,000-yard receivers we got running backs. Uh, Chris Carson has gone for 1,000 yards and who can catch the football. How does this offense go to the next level? You get the tight end involved. And if everyone at the table is eating, man, it's going to be fun. So I think he realizes what he has, the opportunity that he has, and I think he's going to get it. That's the next step. There's some things that Russell has to do. Win an MVP, throw for 70% completion rate, get your tight ends involved. And, um, no, I, I, think, I think it's going to be great. I think this is going to be a nice little one-two punch with these tight ends.
2: There have been some nice plays in training camp that you've seen Everett make, and he definitely has been involved, which I think is a good sign to open things up. But you also want to see that happen in live action, and and I'm curious about the blocking side of things. Are they going to ask him to do things the same way that they asked Jimmy Graham to do things that maybe he wasn't 100% comfortable with? Well, but...
0: Everett's, Everett's worked in this offense before. That's what I keep going back to. The issue with Graham, and, and people, people get too, too caught up with Jimmy Graham and saying that it didn't work out. He was a really productive receiver. The problem was what they asked him to do. The problem mm. was that they were like, hey, we want you to block instead of realizing that that's, that's not something the guy's going to do. Like that's, If you assign him to block a defensive end, you, you're, you deserve the sack that you're going to get. You deserve that because it's your fault for asking him to do that. Gerald Everett's worked in this offense before. Like, we, we know that the guy, and if it was a case that Tyler Higbee, the Rams decided was better than Everett, so they're going to keep Higbee, well, that doesn't mean that Everett's not worth it, right? Like, those are the sort of things, look at the Mariners. The Mariners have done a really good job of profiling guys that were blocked at another at a position. Abraham Toro, Ty France, they were guys, like, those were guys that whose path to playing time was impeded. Go and get those guys and give them a path to that playing time, and I feel that that's what it might be with Everett. He might have never been tight end number one, in, with the Rams, as long as Higby was there. You know what? He might be a great tight end number one here with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we're waiting to hear from, from Gerald Everett. We're going to take a break. And we'll come back and hopefully have Gerald Everett from Seahawks training camp. Uh, our coverage brought to you by PreCore Home Fitness. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
2: Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Paul Gallant. No Gerald ever today, some conflicts, but we do have Michael Bumpus in the house. And a little game that we like to call, Are You Buying? It's what we're going to audible to right now. So, let's start off with something that we've been seeing in training camp, but I-, I would say specifically in the preseason games. Third round pick from USC, Rasheem Green. We haven't seen him flash a whole lot during... The regular season, though he did lead the team in sacks back in 2019. Last year, we saw him less. Clint Hurt weighed in on Rasheem Green and maybe some of the things that were holding him back earlier in his career and why things seem to be clicking for him thus far in the preseason.
3: Man, I don't know if I want to use the term surprised. Um, just been excited about because they've all worked really, really hard. You know, even the short time we had them in the spring and the times they've been here, they've kind of been on the grind. I don't want to say surprise because I've always been excited about his potential and seeing him scratch the surface machine, you know, really seems to have uh, the light has come on, you know, and I'm knocking on wood that it keeps progressing that way. because I'm so excited for him, uh, but he's done really, really well. He's shown this, but he's a young defensive lineman. It takes time. You know, when we draft him, he was 20 years old. You know, so you think about it now, he's 24 years old going into his fourth year in the league now. And it takes time sometimes for guys to kind of figure it out and put the whole thing together. And it, and it seems like that's what's going on. He's really blossoming, so I'm excited for him.
2: That's Seahawks defensive line coach Clint Hurt again weighing in on Rasheem Green. Are you buying this? That this is the year where it's all going to come together for Rasheem Green, either as a pass rusher or maybe just a contributor on defense?
0: Pass. Oh. I hope it's true. I hope it's true. I like Rasheem Green an awful lot, but I feel like this is the third year that I've, I've recited this same storyline and heard it. Ah. I think it's the third year. Hey, you have to remember how young he was when he came in. Look at how he's looked. And he has. He's looked good in the, in, in the preseason. They are talking about having him play at, at Leo at the rush end position. Nah, pass. I'm passing on this one. Sold in the back row.
4: Danny, if you are passing, what else does he need to do to make you buy, though? I mean, he's do had it. two good games. He's had yeah, two season. sacks. Uh, but we're going off it of right now. I know. What, I know. What he's I'm shown just you saying now? I've
0: been down this road before. I've been down this road, <laughs> and I've been burned, Bob. I've been burned, and I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to commit.
4: Well, you know what? What I'm going to do, I'm going to buy the Rasheen Green Bitcoin, and in three, four years— <laughs> When that thing is is shooting through, going to the moon, I'll, I'll give you one, and we can ride this together.
2: <laughs> I want I'll a little your coattails. I'm with Bump on this one. I, I am buying. I, I do want to get a vibe for how he looked the last time we saw a preseason, because that was a little bit before I first came here in 2019. But he was the best player I thought on the field in their preseason opener against the Raiders. I I, I thought he. Showed up in a lot of different spots. And if you're going to have a rotation of defensive linemen, you want to have someone that can come in and, and, and contribute. Are, I mean, are you expecting more than five sacks from him or something like that? No, I. but can he be a guy who actually shows up on the field that stands out? I, I think he can. Well, it's possible. I mean, but he for him to really show
0: he has to have more than five sacks, right? Like if you're if you're talking if he matters he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that's like six seven eight like he's someone that's approaching double digit sacks and as part of your nickel pass rush if if that's if that's really him blossoming at least in my mind in my mind if he blossoms he gets more playing time than Benson Samoa in, in my mind if he blossoms he kind of becomes that 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 rush end that's part and maybe Benson finds another spot and and plays in there but he becomes a part of your pass rush package and. I know he looked good against the Raiders. That was also a Tom Cable offensive line, and so that deserves this giant asterisk because does not represent actual NFL competition.
4: So I think the difference is your expectations are just a lot higher. Torres, I think me and Paul are like uh, five or six sacks. He's arrived. He's a guy who can be on the team for three or four years and and be the the Robin to someone's Batman. You're looking for a guy. Who is going to lead the charge? Well, I feel like they already have guys on this on this club who are going to lead the charge. Mayoa, Kerry, Hider, Dunlap. I think Rasheem Green's going to. I think he is going to be a number two guy. So that that's where where my mind is. So that's why I think okay, I'm good to go with Rasheem.
2: Bump and I both buy. Danny, he's been there, Pass. he's done that, he's selling. <laughs> Next up, are you buying it with Michael Bumpus hanging out with us? The Seahawks made the trade with the Texans yesterday to get cornerback John Reed, a fourth round pick out of Penn State in the 2020 NFL draft. They didn't have to give up much to get him. I am curious as to if they are concerned about their cornerback group. Here's Pete Carroll weighing in on the position.
1: The fact that Trey's Brown is down right now is, uh, you know, that's why John Reed's coming in. You know, we want to make sure that we have depth and have the kind of competitive speed that we need out there. And we've been good all the way throughout. We've had numbers all, the whole time. We're right at the edge of that. We've got to make sure we can keep our guys together. You know, we, we've seen Kell uh, do a nice job at his side. Uh, Trey has done a really nice job. He's had his best camp by far, most consistent, most competitive camp. But I'm ang- really anxious to see Demarius Randall. You know, we, he missed some time, and so this is an important last couple of weeks, you know, and uh, to, to see where he fits into the competition. Because in my mind, the whole time he's, he's been here to compete for the starting spot, and I wanted to see what would happen. And, and uh, he really hasn't been able to grasp that opportunity yet. It's not, you know, he was banged up. So he's going to get a shot this week and see how he does, and, and, uh, and just take it from there.
2: We're going to go around the room again this time from the guy who made the biggest face. At first it was Danny, but Michael Bumpus came in and there seems to be a glimmer of hope in his eye. Michael Bumpus, are they concerned or are they okay with this cornerback room?
4: When I'm done with this, I'm going to go to my Pete Carroll uh, interpreter, Mr. Danny O'Neill, because he's been (laughs) around and he he figures some things out. He reads between the lines. But the fact that he says he's here because Trey Brown is banged up, that's why I'm like... Is he just a depth? You gave him a seventh round pick for a depth guy. Like, if he, if he were in the mix, he'd be like, yeah, we're going to get him in right now. We're going to see what he can do to do. He goes, no, nah, he's here because Trey Brown is brained up. But let me talk about these three or four other guys. Yeah. Like, don't, let's not focus on him. Let's talk about these other guys. That's why I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be here or not. And you give up a seventh round pick for that. Uh, I'm not, I'm not buying, I'm not buying. I, I think it's going to be hard for this young man. And I hope him well, I wish him well, but it's going to be tough.
0: Sold in the back row. This is going to be John John Reed versus. It, it, this is going to be John Reed versus Demaryius Randall, and they haven't seen enough from Randall to know that he's going to be available, and that's making the team. And I I would agree with you. I don't know if Reed's picked up if Brown's not hurt. It made me worry that Brown's injury because it's a shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's. It made me worry that that might be a little more serious and might be on the because this time of year you have to that question of marquise blair was back at practice so the sore knee he had was more of a a bump than it was was a situation we're gonna have to wait and see on on trey brown if they're hoping for anything from demarius randall at cornerback that is entirely that it's hope because he hasn't been able to do much he's Adjusting to that position, this to me says that they're looking for answers. I think this is one of the spots that John Schneider can work some magic: is finding guys and trading late round draft picks for for functional corners. But yeah, do yes, they're concerned about their depth and they should be.
2: I am with both of you on this one. The Seahawks corner group right now, I'm I'm selling it. It's it's a situation right now where if Trey Brown's not out there, I'm, I'm wondering where where is your upside other than with DJ Reed. You know, and at this point, where are you going to get plus contributions? You know, I, I, I'm i hearing good things about Trey Flowers, and I'm seeing him out there doing good things. But if he's the most consistent guy at training camp, and I think he has been, honestly, even compared to Akilah Witherspoon, then that's not a spot you want to be in. You know, that's that's a spot that you're looking at, and you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, boy, is this actually going to last into the regular season? This is the last one. We're going to throw it in as a, as, as a curveball because we like hearing this guy talk. Here is – Seahawks defensive line coach Clint Hurt talking about Kerry Hyder.
3: Outstanding with his hands, very skillful player, um, takes rush angles, doesn't waste a lot of motion. You know, sometimes you got to have a value. Not everybody's going to be, you know, the freak of nature athlete. You know, you're going to have guys that just, football makes sense. Get off angles, you know, understanding how to use their hands versus different blockers, understand protections. So, guy, you get guys like Kerry, you know, he may not win a beauty contest, but he's a heck of a football player.
0: First of all, I so hope that Clint Hurt becomes a head coach in the NFL. Yeah. I know it's a dream and an ambition of his, and that was one of the things that he came to Seattle because Pete does believe in developing a grooming guys for that next opportunity. Um, I know that Clint's players love playing for him. It has become harder in the NFL for position coaches and specifically position coaches on defense to get those side kind of promotions it tends to go through quarterback rooms i i hope that swings. so that's the first thing i love clint hurt the second thing is yes give me the all bad body team like when coaches (laughs) get that because they hesitate to do it because it's not it's a backhanded compliment right you're like this guy doesn't look like he can do anything He's not fast, he's not particularly like, sculpted or anything, but man, is he a good football player. Yes, I want, I want all bad body teams. I, I love that. It cracked me up. I, don't, I hope Kerry has a good sense of humor about it, and certainly he's in a place that appreciates his style of play, but yeah, I love the, the bad body compliments.
4: Yeah, there's more bad bodies and freaking natures in the league. You know, you, you only get your DK and your Aaron Donalds. Those guys come around about once every five to eight years. Other than that, you need to play a position and be very skillful at it. You have yep. to be an athlete. All these guys are good athletes. But once, you, once the pool gets small, guys kind of separate themselves. So, yeah, I'm with it, man. A guy who knows his craft and knows who he is has a great chance of being successful in this league. I'm with it. Bad body team. Let's get it.
2: I like Kerry Heider, too. I, I'm I'm looking at him, and I feel like there are some real contributions that are going to come out of him that I, I think could be the biggest difference on this defensive line this season.
0: Best bad body athlete you've ever seen. I'll, I'll throw one out there. Vince Wilfork's up there. Vince Wilfork looked, looked like absolutely, and he was an incredibly athletic dude.
2: I was surprised by how good he looked, though, with the overalls. I thought he looked a lot better than I expected he would, given that he is a large, large human being.
0: David Wells. Picture that people will remember, he wore like yeah. Babe Ruth's hat, like incredible athlete. Like that dude could dunk, and he was not exceptionally tall, a bad body athlete.
4: Bobby Ortiz, ah
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> big CC Sabathia,
0: yeah, yes, that's another good one. Cedric what? Sabonis,
2: Ooh. uh, what was that guy on the <sighs> shoot? Is it Bismarck? Sorry,
4: Arvitas Sabonis, Cedric, who's Cedric? Arvitus oh, yeah, Arvitas, Arvitas Sabonis.
0: Arvitus yeah, I thought you were going Cedric Sabalos. I was like, yeah, oh, the- man, they got fired for going on a
2: jet ski." <laughs> <laughs> that is Michael Bumpus. He joins us every Wednesday and Friday in the eight o'clock hour. Bump, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Hi, right, guys. He is Danny O'Neill. I'm Paul Gallant. It's Danny and Gallant, seven ten ESPN Seattle. So the Mariners are eleven games over five hundred. They are eight and four against the Oakland A's. There's a lot of good things happening right now for the Mariners. But something else needs to happen, at least per me. I'll tell you what that is next.